You're listening to the Happy as a Mother podcast. Today, we are welcoming Chastity of Momfully You to the show. Chastity is a therapist that lives in Texas. She's got her online private practice. She's recently launched the Momfully You Academy that has a membership program. And today, she is joining us to talk all things identity. Have you ever felt like you are losing yourself in motherhood? I definitely know that I felt that way. I had my three boys back to back. I was pretty much on consecutive maternity leaves and uh, taking breaks and time off of my career, really feeling that momming and motherhood had just taken over the entire pie of who I was and my identity. And we're going to talk about this today with Chastity here. We're going to talk about the things that make up our identity, the various roles that we play, why we feel like we've lost our identity as a mom, and some ways that we can rediscover and reconnect with that identity again. You're not going to want to miss out on this important conversation. But first, before jumping in, let's hear our review of the week. This iTunes review comes from Ananda G123, and it's titled Breath of Fresh Air. This podcast has helped me in those lonely days of motherhood where you feel like you just aren't measuring up. I listen to these episodes yelling, yes, that's me. I prefer the episodes geared specifically to moms. I've done all the research when it comes to my kids, but it's my own mental health that I'm so happy to finally be working on. And this podcast has helped me start doing just that. Thank you, Erica. Ugh. Thank you so much for this review, and you're right. There are so many resources out there about parenting and how to approach our children's potty training and feeding and all things children, but there are few things that really help us deal with the internal struggle that's going on within ourselves when we enter motherhood. So I'm so glad that you're capturing that piece of this show, and thank you for this lovely review. Without further ado, let's hear my conversation with Chastity. Welcome to the Happy as a Mother podcast, where we are dedicated to helping you cope with the load of motherhood. I'm your host and registered psychotherapist, Erica Jossa. Let's work together in letting go of shame and guilt, accepting where we are in our journey, and moving towards becoming the women we want to be. We will hear from experts, learn practical tips, and listen in on honest conversations. Please note that the information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and should not replace the advice of your healthcare provider. Okay, let's dive in. Tassidy, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. I'm so happy to be, we're doing this via video interview. I'm so happy to be able to see your face as we're connecting and get to know you more. So thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've been building some relationship for, I feel like I always say this over Instagram now for some time. This is how I meet the majority of my guests that come on, as you can imagine. And we've been getting to know each other for some time. And uh, yeah, I'm just so excited and, and appreciate having you here. You work in maternal mental health with moms, a similar field that I do, have a private practice, have your Instagram page. And I'm so curious and I love to learn about how did you come about doing that work? Yeah, because we all have a story, right? Yeah. So my story kind of started 
before I was even thinking about being a mom. So I had um, some really close friends and one of my sisters, they started to have kids and they would start to tell like little nuggets of their experience. And I'm like, what? It's really like that, you know, and they would kind of transition to different phases. And I was like, okay, this is like something that needs to be talked about. Like, you know, this is something that you need a lot more support than I feel like you got, you know. So I kind of always had that kind of lingering on the back end. And then here comes my turn, right, to become a mom. And I'm pregnant with my first and sick as a dog. Like, Mm. terrible, terrible morning sickness. And my whole world was just completely turned upside down. So then the stories that I heard from other people were starting to become my own. Like they were coming alive because it was now my experience. And so the transition into motherhood happened fairly quickly for me. So my husband and I were married. Um, A month after we got married, we were pregnant with the first one. And then when she was four months old, we were pregnant with the second one. Wow. (laughs) So it was back to back of all of these body changes and lifestyle changes and just kind of everything changed basically. Right. So I really started to get this passion. Like I have to do something about this. I really didn't know what it looked like. At first I thought it was maybe just, you know, every time I had a friend that, you know, told me she was pregnant or anything like that, like I would just give them all of my love and encouragement. And like, like, I know what you need postpartum. You don't need another, uh, toy or something. Right. <laughs> so I was like, this is how I'm going to support. And so it really started to hit me like, what if I really kind of took my experience as a therapist and combined that with this passion to help moms and get trained and specialized in maternal mental health? And so that's what I did. And that's how I got started with my private practice even starting on Instagram and saying, how can I reach even more moms to help support and encourage them through this? I love learning about people's stories. And I love how it's often when we become moms, we realize, especially in the mental health field with the colleagues that I've spoken to, how underserviced and underserved of an area it is. And um, Asherina Psyched Mommy and I joke often about how we do all these like Lamaze classes and prepping for like labor and delivery. And then they send you home with this human and you're like, what what am I supposed to do? Like, is this normal? Is this not normal? Like I, I have no idea what I'm doing, right? So I, I appreciate bringing, like marrying that knowledge and clinical training and experience mm-hmm. with your own motherhood experience. And I can imagine you were pretty fresh into your adjustment to new motherhood. You were still in your postpartum experience and expecting again. So that's another layer of sort of intensity, right? Oh my goodness. Yes. Like okay, again, right? Like around four months, you're kind of starting to come out of that fog. Like you're kind of starting to see the clearing a little bit. And so as soon as I was like, okay, that was good. I went in and took another pregnancy test. (laughs) I was like, oh, I'm going back down. (laughs) Yeah. And we're ready to re-go right back into it. I kind of felt that way. There's a little bit more of a gap between my boys, but they were all three 
and under by the time I had the three of them. And it is just like the haziest period of my life to think back on. And it leads us into our topic today in the conversation I thought that would be so great for us to have. We've touched on this before um, between the two of us is identity in motherhood and this shift in identity. Um, And I love that more we're hearing about the shift in identity these days with the term matrescence and the becoming of a mother, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I just want us to unpack and explore that today because I think that, I don't know, I reflect on my personal experience and mm-hmm. I have a best friend who is very, all she dreamed about and wanted to do is be a mom. She's got three. We both had three. They're around the same ages. They were born around the same time. And she, like, this was her life and she was oh. prepped for it and dreamed about it. And I never, ever daydreamed about my role in motherhood. Mm-hmm. I never, I, I'm just a different person than yeah. she is, right? Mm-hmm. And so the identity shift for her and for I and, and how we adjusted looked very different. So let's unpack it a little bit. Yeah. Let's dive into this identity piece. Yeah, I would say and agree with you that everyone kind of will approach this in a different way. I knew that I would be or hope to be a mom one day, but just like you, I never like sat and was like, I'm going to be this kind of mom. This one do for this. You know, it just kind of was like, well, I'm a mom now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think the adjustment is hard for both. Like I, I suspect like, so I didn't know what to expect in becoming a mom mm-hmm. and, and it floored me becoming a mom. But also I think that when you are somebody who has either gone through a fertility process in becoming a mom and, or it's like been the thing that you've dreamed about, or you've been immersed in children your whole life, like in your profession and whatever, those moms often have a benefit of this information, but they also think and have expectations that they're going to, it's going to come naturally to them because they Mm -hmm. have put so much conscious time and effort into thinking about it. So I would say we both struggled in our own unique ways because of our own identities and where we were at. So when I'm working with clients, I would say the real common problem or challenge that comes up in talking about identity is that moms feel like they lose themselves. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so part of our our focus today is like, how how do we retain part of ourselves? Or is it even about becoming the person that we were? Mm. Like, what is the true goal in terms of identity postpartum, I guess? Yeah, yeah. So when you think about identity, it really kind of goes back to this ability for you to be an individual and for you to feel like you are unique and you have your own personal kind of tie that you bring to the world. So your purpose, your different qualities that you care about, the beliefs that you really kind of hold on to, um, even things like your personality and um, how you approach different um, scenarios and different uh, life events and um, your values about life in general. And so sometimes we see a shift in that kind of individuality and that uniqueness, because as soon as the baby is entered into the world, it's like, oh, how's the baby, right? Right. You bring the baby home from the hospital um, and everybody, well, you know, COVID's doing crazy things now, but everybody comes over to the house. And they want to see the baby. They want to hold the baby. They want to ask about how the baby's sleeping. They want to ask about how the baby's eating and all these other things. And then you have this mom who wants to be seen as an individual. 
right? that has been merged into this identity of their baby. And so it's no longer, you know, chastity. It's chastity as the mom and not chastity as the individual. And right. so moms can kind of feel this lostness or feeling lost in motherhood because there is no sense of that individuality anymore. They kind of feel um, like their identity has been robbed from them. Like I'm, I'm just a mom, so to speak. I think that really will resonate with so many people listening right now because it is this sense, this shift. I don't know. And I've sort of seen and read things where like all eyeballs in the room go from being on mom and in labor and delivery to physically and sort of psychologically and emotionally to all the energy shifting to baby postpartum. And and I think that I released a post about motherhoodness yesterday. And I think that um, our society perpetuates some of these things, oh, right? Yeah. This selflessness or this children coming first or that you shelf parts of yourself. Yeah. And um, it might be worth us taking a moment to explore like what are the pieces, the pieces and facets that make up our identity mm-hmm. so that we can know what some of the things are that we're trying to hold on to, mm-hmm. right? Because like you said, baby comes in everything becomes about baby and we let all of these things go. Our friendships change because if they don't have babies, they're not in the same stage and we try to hold on, but it's hard to relate. Our interests and and our activities and our hobbies change because practically we're trying to do playdates and and meet with other moms and so many pieces change. So so what would you say are, and we can hash this out together, it's not just pressure on you, um, are the pieces of identity that that moms could kind of explore? I think it kind of goes back to the basics of figuring out what your values and your priorities, because again, you'll see that shift in what you think is important now, because you have a whole nother human being that you have to consider. And so it's not this, I only care about this new baby that I have, this new kiddo that I have, but how do I prioritize where I am still in this picture and I'm coexisting with, you know, the baby and my partner and my f- other family members and friends and things like that. How can I really value myself as a part of this new dynamic? Am I going to value myself by continuing things that help me feel connected to myself? So, you know, those kind of small things that we like to do, whether that is um, talking to your friends when we were not doing COVID, going out for, uh, you know, coffee dates and things like that, exercising, doing particular classes. If you're a working mom, you know, maybe your value system is that you still are able to work, you know, right. maybe that looks different, but that you're still able to work. Um, and so really adjusting those, those values and those priorities, but still like not forgetting about you, not leaving yourself out of that equation. Like I know that I'm a mom. I still right. like to exercise. So my day looks different. It looks busier. Right. But you know, maybe I can't work out midday like I used to. Maybe it's just a quick 10, 15 minute right after I put the kiddos down. Something yeah. like that. Like you're you're not taking it out, you're weaving it in so that you you are still present in this dynamic. 
I love that. And, and in thinking about the shift that happens, the shift from what we value and what is important no longer seems relevant and important sometimes in mom life, right? So there is a complete shift in values and priorities with that becoming of a mom. But I think what you're saying and, and what I see often is what happens is we, we sort of drop a lot of priorities and pick up new ones in terms of baby, but we don't figure out how to switch over or adapt the pieces of us that we want to bring with us, right? Like we drop the priorities, baby gets all focused and we don't carry over these pieces or, or learn how to kind of, I don't know, reestablish them into this new bizarre norm that we're trying to figure out. So when I'm working with moms on, on discovering and rediscovering identity, often this isn't right in the very murky postpartum period. Like we're so in survival mode in that time, right? Um, It's, it's often not in that time, but as we start to kind of come out of that, maybe the Mm -hmm. year postpartum Mm -hmm. or kind of time Mm -hmm. where we start to think about, okay, like, what do you like to enjoy? What are the things that you miss that you enjoy to do for fun? Mm -hmm. How do you explore your creativity and a sense of play for you just to, you know, find some restorative creative time? What are your hobbies? Is there a new skill you would like to learn? On my third mat leave, I was exploring this idea of play and creativity because I I would have never described myself as a creative individual (laughs) ever until I turned 30 or so. That's funny. I know. And everyone's like, I don't know, friends tell me, oh, you're so creative. And I'm like, no, I'm really not. (laughs) Um, But I, I sort of allowed myself to entertain this part of my identity or part of myself that it didn't even really give acknowledgement to before. And I learned um, photography on my third mat leave. And that was something that I did while caring for three children uh, so that I could capture moments of them. But I could also learn a skill for myself that was just so rejuvenating and just something for the enjoyment of doing it simply for me. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that like in speaking with, with clients and and lots of different moms on Instagram and stuff is that there's almost a guilt that comes with this idea of needing or wanting some stuff for us or something for us. Can we unpack that a little bit? Do you sense that too? Yes. And it's so, it's so unfortunate. And I I made a post about this a couple of weeks ago, but if you look at the definition of the word guilt, it means that you have done something wrong, that you have committed some type of crime or some type of, you know, wrongdoing. Right. And so when when we kind of look at that and we dissect it and see, oh, like, oh, that means I've done something wrong. So then when a mom is like, oh, I feel guilty for taking care of myself, it's like, but did, is it wrong to take care of yourself? And I think that points back to these expectations that a mom should be all sacrificial, right? That she should um, always be with her children, um, that she shouldn't have a a life of her own, right? Outside of those, like um, if you're, one time I uh, went traveling and I was without my kiddos and I got a lot of comments from my friends, like you left, (laughs) you left your husband um, with the kids. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's their dad. That's you their know? dad. That's yeah. Dad. Um, you know, how could you leave them with him? You know, like, what are they going to do? I'm like, they can survive without me. And there's this expectation that if a mom is not with her children or if she's not 
sacrificing all of the time for her children, she's doing something wrong. And so I guess the key there is that you, we have nothing to be guilty for. We've done nothing right. wrong, right? And it's it's ap- actually the opposite. You're doing so much right when you're able to nurture yourself because a part of you comes alive and you remember, I am an individual. Mm-hmm. I am unique, right? I offer to this world more than my role as a mom. Yeah. And, and like, Obviously, any mom who's in that role loves and values that role, right? And it feels, and it's an all-consuming role. So it's easy to get lost in. Um, But there are a lot of women that I speak to who want something more than than motherhood. And and that's not to belittle motherhood or that's not to, you know, and there are lots of like my best friend who was literally born to be a stay-at-home mom and she <laughs> rocks it yes. and that's that she loves it and that's what she is like created to do. Then there are other like her, her friend, which is me, that feels that there are other pieces to the pie that are really important for me to nurture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, quite frankly, without, I'm quite miserable. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. important as, in terms of my self-care to nurture those pieces of myself. Yeah. And this is, I haven't done a, a ton of research. I'm really trying to unpack the essence of like the mother wound. But this is kind of at the crux of like these expectations and all the things that moms and generations have laid down before us or mm-hmm. sacrificed yeah. as like, this is what you do. This is how you do it. And so there's almost can be a frustration when we see moms out there living their lives, making choices for themselves. Like it can almost bring up whether it's like, how come you're leaving your kids? Like these preconceived ideas of how we think momming should be. And then people sort of bring those values or those beliefs up in themselves and we get judged or shamed sometimes. So it's interesting. It reminds me of um, in episode 11, I had Nedra Tawab on and we were talking about boundaries and she was saying how, she went on like a retreat mm-hmm. for a weekend and there and people were like don't you feel guilty for leaving your kids and she's like I'm here right now in the present moment enjoying myself do you want me to feel guilty should I feel guilty like <laughs> you know like are you trying to make me feel guilty you know and we unpacked in that episode this idea of mom guilt almost as like a badge of honor like we we have to feel guilty when we mm. make choices for ourselves do you know what I mean yes yes it's like yeah I just you know I did it for the kids you know it's no big deal like you know or, or you know it's it's hard to explain and I think it I think it even ties back to what you were saying earlier because I was even thinking about this the other day this kind of because I because I was mothered in this way and because I mothered this way this must be the way and right. when you're telling me that there's a different way to mother it sparks something on the inside of me that says well, did I do it wrong? And so kind of like that mother wound, like, again, that guilt that doesn't belong to us, but that we've taken on. And it does cause that collide of like, you're doing something that maybe I wanted to do, but I didn't feel like I had the permission to do it. Exactly. And you're giving yourself the permission to do it. And that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because I subscribe to the idea that a mom shouldn't do those things. And this is where I feel like identity is so, like our identity in motherhood is shaped by our idea of what it means to be a good mother. 
if you ask anyone, and I do this with pretty much every client we've gone through in my Mother Up program, what it means to be a good mother, everybody's idea of what it means to be a good mother is subjective, shaped by their upbringing and Mm -hmm. their family of origin, shaped by their culture and religious beliefs and expectations Mm -hmm. and society and, you know, um, as the spheres, as we kind of go out in terms of the spheres and and the impact that it has. Mm -hmm. So if you are subscribed to the idea in your mind that a good mother is self-serving and puts all her needs aside to prioritize her children, then sometimes there go your your dreams or your hobbies yeah. or even your self-care, yeah. basic fundamental self-care yeah. because we're not allowed to take a break because moms show up and do it. Yes. You know? Even small things like eating. Like I remember those postpartum, I mean, you know, everything's crazy postpartum. Yeah. But those postpartum months, I would kind of set up this habit. I would forget to eat. Like I maybe would eat lunch and like a light snack at dinner. Yeah. And and that was it. And so like remembering that even those small things that we don't really even think about, like eating is a part of self-care. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you cannot function well if you are not nourished well. And, you know, resting, even if it's just to sit down for, for five or 15 minutes and saying no to people and ideas and thought patterns that do not serve you well, those ways that we kind of look over. And like you said, because we have this idea that that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be giving my all and my all looks like giving up everything, right? right. And not leaving anything for myself. Thinking about that self-care and taking time for self, it brings up so many conversations in my mind with clients and moms this week about how, like, I understand there are different um, moms who are going to be listening with different family structures, some um, like solo moms, some moms with really supportive partners, Mm -hmm. some moms that have fractured relationships. So I just want to acknowledge that as I say this comment. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do find that when I work with um, some of the moms I was working with this week, they actually have supportive partners around, but still can't allow themselves to ask for help or take a break or do something for themselves just for the sake of enjoying something for themselves because of this messaging that a good mom is on the clock or is always there for her babies or whatever. So I think that this is such an important thing for us to be tackling head on, because if you want to re-explore and discover parts of your identity, Mm -hmm. you have to debunk the belief that a good mom prioritizes her kids' needs. I think that a Mm well-rounded, well-grounded, realistic belief is that a good mom prioritizes both her Mm -hmm. needs and her kids' needs. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Um, and that the a very act of taking care of your kids is showing up and taking care of yourself in whatever way you need that. And that is not simply self-serving. Mm-hmm. That is an act of both care for you and for them. Yes. Right? Totally agree. And I think kind of going back to what you were saying about like being seen as weak if you ask for help. And I've had these conversations with clients too, even in this week alone, where where help is like almost non-existent because of COVID. But to ask for help puts you in a position of being vulnerable 
because it shows a part of you that says, I can't do it all, which again is the messaging of a mother that she's supposed to do it all. So it right. puts you in this position of having to be vulnerable with people, even if that person is your partner, right? To yeah. say, hey, babe, I need some sleep. You know, hey, I can't cook tonight. Hey, you know, I need you to do this or help me with this or whatever the ask is, it requires vulnerability. And if you know, moms aren't comfortable with that, then they'll suffer in silence and build up this resentment because mm-hmm. they are like, no, I can do it. I'm a mom. I'm supposed to do these things. But reconnecting to yourself also requires that same vulnerability to say, I'm not the same way that I was before kids and accepting that. And then also being vulnerable to know and learn and evolve into something new, giving my myself permission to evolve into something new. That vulnerability is big. Yeah. And I think that again, if we're going to carve out the one of those other beliefs that we really have to debunk in order to reconnect with our own identity, mm-hmm. it's this idea that moms have to do it all. Yeah. Right. As yeah. you had addressed, like nobody on this earth is doing it all. And if they appear to be on Instagram, it is a lie. (laughs) It is not true. It's curated content. It's their job. They're an influencer, whatever it is. It's simply not true. And I get that question a lot. Like, oh, how do you do it all? How do you manage all of the things? And the secret is I don't. I am very selective about the things that I do and that I focus my attention on. And I know right now, that my main floor is a hot mess the way that my kids left it this morning before going to daycare. There are dishes in my sink right now. And I am not a bad mom because that situation is happening downstairs. And I've chosen to leave it to prioritize other things that I had to get done in my day. Mm. And that is not a reflection of me and my worth as a mom, you know? And so I've become selective about what my capacity is, realistic with myself, what I want to prioritize within the capacity that I do have. Mm -hmm. And when you acknowledge that you can't do it all, you actually do take that control back over to itemize and prioritize what is actually important to you according to your values, as you mentioned before. And that that sounds to me like boundaries, right? To be able to say that this is a priority that I have and I'm going to protect that priority with a boundary. I'm going to say that I'm not going to allow this to push me outside of you know, what's important to me right now. And what's important to me is that I have some alone time. What's important to me that I do something that I love, like photography or, uh, you know, watching a YouTube channel, you know, whatever it is that fills your cup, right? Right. You have this boundary that says, um, I'm going to keep this priority safe and I'm going to make sure that it's carried out. Yeah. I'm going to protect it and carve out this time for myself. And Mm -hmm. I'm allowed to, Mm -hmm. despite the unfolded laundry and the dishes in the sink and the toys that need to be put away, Mm -hmm. I can still carve out that time. And you had said another really um, valid point that I'd love for us to spend a moment on is this whole idea of, I want to go back to the way things were. When am I going to feel like myself again, like the old me, you know, what are your thoughts on that? The old me was, she was great, but I don't think she exists anymore. Right. 
I think there is such a big evolution that happens, that shift, again, if we look at it in those terms, you're adding a dynamic, a part of you that has not been there before. And so you can't compare what you were able to do, weren't able to do before you added this huge dynamic into who you are. Mm -hmm. I remember parts even of like my goals and aspirations changed when I became a mom. Like I started to think about things in a different way that I had never thought about them before. Um, It's because I had added something that gave me a sense of motivation and questioning if this is something that I really wanted. Right. So if I had said, you know what, this isn't the old me, like the old me would have never did this or or said this thing. I'm just, I'm not going to do that. I would have been discrediting this new person that's on the horizon that's saying, yes, she was cool. But now that we have these new dimensions, how can we use this to move forward and grow you into the person that that basically you are, right? Mm-hmm. We, we spend a lot of time like missing and that's valid. All of that is valid to miss and grieve all parts of who we are and what we were able to do. Like go on vacation without someone saying, where are your children? <laughs> you know, right. going to Target. Listen, I used to love going to Target and just like ride around in the aisles and peruse. I can no longer do that as much <laughs> as I like to. <laughs> and I grieve that sometimes. I really do. Yeah. Um, but if I, if I stay kind of on that, if my focus is only on getting back to the old me and I'm trying to fit this um, a square into a circle or however you say it. I'm mm-hmm. trying to fit something. I'm trying to mismatch something. It's not fitting. That's going to cause um, frustration. It's going to cause mistrust in myself. It's going to cause resentment of myself because I'm trying to come against something that's uprooting. Like you're trying to stuff something down. It's inevitable that it's supposed to come out, right? Yeah. So there is place to grieve yeah. the loss of the person the the version of yourself that you were before you had kiddos. And mm-hmm. then there, I think there's also the space to learn and appreciate this new and upcoming person or version of who you are post kiddos. That's such a really like all the goosies when we're talking about <laughs> like grieving yeah. because that is really like if I think about my own experience, I I was not prepared for, nor did I expect the grief of my old life, the ability to pick up and walk out of the house whenever I felt yeah. like it, mm-hmm. the ability to only have to think about myself, yeah, the ability to sleep whenever or feed myself whenever or be off call and not have to get up and get a snack whenever these types of things brought a real grief and loss to them. And and I would say you do, you do grieve that old part of yourself, that Mm -hmm. old life. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I think about, I think about becoming a mother very much like this metamorphosis. Like I have this picture in my mind of this going into the cocoon, which was totally the postpartum period for me. It was dark and it was crazy, right? Exactly. Um, In many ways, I've been open on on the podcast. Like I went through a postpartum depression with my third and there was a whole lot that I didn't expect. Um, And it kind of stripped me down to the bare bones Mm. version of myself, you Mm. know? But the person who, came back from that is like this like beast of a person that 
so strong and resilient that um like I cannot discredit or like wish that experience away. Yes. It's you know? shaped you. It has yeah. motherhood has a way of shaping you. It teaches you patience like no other, right? There's no other experience <laughs> that I have been through that has taught me patience. And you know, we've we've gone through graduate school and trainings and hours and all of that kind of stuff to become therapists. But like th- that was like little p- patience. This type of patience is rooted. <laughs> like <laughs> it's like a cruel joke. Like who's playing this joke on us? All right, I get it. I get it. Okay. I'm yeah. <laughs> But it does. It it shapes you and it expands the way that you love. Um, I remember being pregnant with the second one when the first one was four months. And I was like, there's no way. Like I used to be so sad thinking about how in the world am I going to love another person in the way in the depths that I love this person? There is no way. It just means I probably just have to stop loving her and I'll have to direct it to this other kiddo. And that doesn't make sense to me, right? Right. But your love expands the way you listen, the um, the way you look at your children and the world and the way you protect and what it means to be a mama bear. Like it comes alive, right? Yeah. It's shaped and molded. And like you were saying, when you discredit that, you are basically saying that this new version of yourself, that she doesn't have a place you know, that you, you know, you don't, what you're saying, what you're feeling, it doesn't really matter. I'm just trying to get to this, back to this other person, which again kind of forms up this, like this dissonance because that's who you are now. And it's like the, the quicker we're able to embrace, like I've done some pretty super magical power stuff, you know, for sure (laughs) To, to birth two children in 13 months and to be able to uh, still do that and, and work and you're staying at home to like manage a whole household or whatever the situation is like really looking at the value that you have as a person the value that you have as a spouse the value that you have as a mom is just so vast and you can't leave out this molding experience that mother kind of add motherhood adds to that yeah itself a disservice it's like the 2.0 version right yeah. like the evolved version of there are going to be elements of you that are similar Absolutely. i would imagine in terms of personality and maybe some interests and things that you, like, I'm still a therapist. Yeah. (laughs) I am a very different therapist with a lot of different specialties. And I think about things a lot differently, but I'm still a therapist. So I've retained that part of myself, you know? So it's how to um, allow yourself to evolve into this new role Mm -hmm. and not think that you don't have a place in this new season of your life. Right. Um, and I think of practically speaking, it, it like when I work with moms around self-care, this concept of self-care being, um, I used to go to the spa for self-care. I don't know the mm-hmm. last time I went to a spa as a mom, right? Mm-hmm. And so what does that look like? And how do I prioritize myself even in a self-care way as a mom? And there's all these like funny memes about mom self-care and it's like peeing alone in the bathroom <laughs> or like, you know, showering without somebody like peeking in the curtain and things like that. And that is on so many levels. So accurate. (laughs) So true. But even things like learning to talk to ourselves with kindness and compassion, acknowledging that a good mom prioritizes both herself and her kids and learning to let go of some of the guilt, Mm. setting boundaries and protecting your hobbies or your interests, 
these in them very selves are acts of self-care. Absolutely. Especially that I love talking about the the self-talk, right? Because I think that's the one that slips through the cracks because we always think that self-care has to be external, something that we're doing, um, something that we're watching, something that we're participating in. But that self-talk is that silent killer or the the silent giver, right? If you're able to use it in a helpful way to manage your thoughts. So when it comes to these like unrealistic expectations of motherhood, um, these myths that have been placed on us by society or our family or other, you know, different dynamics um, to say, you know what? I'm going to unsubscribe to that. I don't have room in my budget to spend this energy and time on yeah. this. I'm going to go ahead and yeah, I don't like that anymore. So your self-talk, I'm doing it. I'm a good mom. Even if my, I forget what you're Canadian. So you say my main floor. We call like the, it the, the room. main floor of my house, living room. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in like a townhouse. So I have several levels. Oh, I got to. I got to. Um, so the living room is a mess or the, you know, the, the kitchen is a mess. I'm still good. Right. At the end of the day, I, whatever I did today was enough. I'm still valuable. Things like that. Like being your own hype man, even when you're in a critic, it's like, no, but you didn't do this. It's like, well, actually I don't have to today. So monitoring that self-talk is so important. It reminds me of a post that I did about um, how we measure our worth as moms, how we measure our goodness as Mm -hmm. moms. Mm-hmm. And I think that we do it based on external factors like, is my house clean? Yep. Did I cook dinner? Mm-hmm. Did my kids behave well today? Yeah. Did I get my hair and makeup done today? I don't know. Whatever other external things, am I getting my pre-baby body back? Mm-hmm. Right? Like these mm-hmm. external things that we feel like on the outside look like and make up a good mom. Mm-hmm. But really, um, a good mom is something that we need to define internally according yeah. to our values. Did I attune to my children today? Did I uh, anticipate their needs and Mm -hmm. support them through their big feelings? Did I prioritize myself Mm -hmm. and take time for self today? You know, and and the the way that we measure our goodness or worth as moms also needs to shift so that, uh, again, to help with that guilt and to help set the priorities around where we're going to focus our time. Yes. I love that so much. One other thing that came up um, when we were talking about the evolution of ourselves and wanting to go back to the way things were. I also hear this a lot in the context of relationships. And when is our relationship or partnership or marriage going to be how it was before? Uh, This is potentially a whole other beast for another day. But I think the same principle applies where it no longer is the way that it was, right? Mm -hmm. It also is going through an evolution. Its own little evolution. You could imagine, I'm not sure kind of how quickly you guys transitioned to parenthood, but um, you could imagine us being newlyweds a month into our marriage, figuring that out. And then we're like, oh crap, we're about to be parents, right? Right. So that evolution for us happened very quickly. And so basically all we know how to be 
is parents. Right. <laughs> and so we started off having to be intentional about date nights, you know, being present in the home, but also managing two littles and how do you get your rest and how do you get your me time? Okay, we're going to do some shift work around here. You take the morning, mm-hmm. I'll take the evening and you, you know, you get your time like that, but it does, it, it evolves. And I think that this is one of the conversations that a lot of people want to have, but they don't hear it a lot. You know, even things like your sex life and your relationships with in-laws and just kind of all of that. You know, if you're if you're in a group of friends and they don't have children just yet, but you know that they're trying, like how does that even relate? But so your relationship, it does, it has this evolution in and of itself. And, you know, some a lot of times the way that we are viewing ourselves, so we talk talking about that, you know, vulnerability by asking for help, that could come up into the relationship. If we are not feeling comfortable, don't even think about feeling sexy, right? If we're just feeling comfortable in our bodies, that can impact the way that we interact and have, you know, relationships with our our spouses. It's just, it's so much. And so you have to give room and honesty, right? To say that this dynamic has changed. And that's not a bad thing. This dynamic has changed. How are we going to approach this? What's going to be our value system as a couple? Are we going to be the couple that remains madly in love? Or are we going to be the couple that when our kids graduate high school and they leave, we end up having to get a divorce because we don't know each other anymore. Right. Who are we? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it makes me reflect on my own adjustment and experience. So we had been together about a year. We found out we were pregnant right around our one year anniversary. Yeah. We had been together for like three or four years before that. So we'd had a good amount of time together, but I was very much a, like, I don't need you for anything. You <laughs> know? Like, I like, I was just like, Uh, I'm good with you. I'm good without you. Like, whatever. I'll make it like, I'll make it through totally my own defenses and stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. But I was very independent. Arguably, I still like to think of very independent. (laughs) I love it. But becoming a mom required, like you said, that a vulnerability from me to ask for help or like, I need you. Like I am treading water without you taking an extra week off of work or like, you know, how do I communicate that? Like I count down the minutes until you walk in the door. Like this is a whole other level of needing to rely on somebody, right? So that that evolution was like, you know, interesting from my perspective because it's not, it wasn't natural for me. But to go through that process together, work on the values, have the open communication or work on it if we were struggling with it, um, created this really beautiful thing in us. Now, it's definitely not like it was before. It's not all fireworks and sex and nights. And like, you know, it's a lot of passing out because we're exhausted and and intentionally making time for each other. But there is a closeness and an intimacy there and a real sense of like, I got you kind yeah. of have each yeah. other's back, show up for each other. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm down for the count and I'm postpartum depression struggling and he's stepping up and we're like taking these turns, sort of nurturing each other as well yeah. is a really 
neat and cool evolution that is, yeah, like appreciated that 2.0. If you work at it, learn the skills. And it makes me think of Dr. Tracy D because like all things relationships sort of lead me back to her. And yeah, it's an evolution. It takes work, just like our own preserving of our own identity takes work, Mm -hmm. but it is it's worth it when we, when we figure it out, when we yes. you know, put in that work. Yeah. And I love this kind of theme you're saying, like it builds resilience and it builds intimacy that's deeper than the surface level, right? It's not just the fireworks. It's not just the, ah, you know, all this crazy stuff that we see on the movies and things, but it's this deep knowing that I can count on you. Like you're reliable and I'm reliable for you. And it's the same, that same concept can follow over into that intimacy that we have with ourselves. Like, yeah, I can count on you to show up for you because you're invested in things that make you who you are and help you remain, you know, who you are. And so um, you need that intimacy piece for both of those relationships. Yeah, I agree. I'm like just reflecting on this conversation and it's so, it's interesting because I I interview a lot of different people and some come really sort of like some interviews lend themselves well to very like practical. These are the steps to like, you know, dealing with your anxiety. But when we're talking identity, it's a very like deep, I want to say like soulful or like like unconscious kind of other level of depth that is that is really interesting Mm -hmm. and if we were to sum up a few practical takeaways for for moms just as we wrap up I I think um practically when thinking about exploring your identity or rediscovering your identity, reestablishing that connection and trust with yourself would be to explore things like your hobbies and your passions. What are goals or ideas that you've had, interests that you've had that maybe you shelved that you didn't follow through with? You know, what is your skill? Like photography was mine. This would be awesome. I would love this. You know, Mm. what is that thing for you that you can pick up and do for yourself just for play? What do you feel are the things that make you angry or the injustices in the world? Because those are often things that you're the most passionate about. They lead you to your passions. And, you know, what are your strengths? What's your personality traits? Just the self-exploration to get those juices flowing to to start to consider who this sort of 2.0 version (laughs) is, right? Yes, yes. And listening and being open to what you come up with. Like if it's different from what you've done before, right? Okay. That's, that is okay that I don't like that anymore or that I've started to like something that I said I never would. Right. I never thought I'd be a minivan mom and I'm not a minivan mom now, but maybe I am a minivan mom and I, yes, I, yes. I love it. But you know, I mean, just opening yourself up to that being honest with yourself because that builds that trust that says, again, I got you and I see you and I think you're important. It's a really, really important point is don't shoot yourself down before you get get out the gate, right? Like don't shoot down your idea or criticize it or say you can't do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Have an open mind and explore it first to see whether it's really for you. Just like I didn't think that I was creative for 30 years. And now I love creating things. 
I wish I had more creative ability or that I had nurtured that more. And I, and I will continue to do that. But all because I had this sort of rule in my mind of like, well, I'm not a creative person. Yes, literally have said those words to myself. I'm not creative. And then I look at your, like the things that you create for Instagram. I'm like, that took some real inspiration to get that concept out like that, you know? And we sort of admire this in other people. Yeah. But we have these like rules or unwritten ways of being that we subscribe to like mm-hmm. oh I can't dress that way because mm-hmm. because why mm-hmm. or because I wasn't interested in it but now I am like yep. you are allowed to pivot at any moment yep your interests your passions mm-hmm. your values like I started off very like kind of attachment parenting mm-hmm. and kind of like got down the rabbit hole with that a little bit. And then there were things that started to kind of pull me back more to like middle ground. Mm -hmm. And you are allowed to change identity or like try something on and feel it out. And then maybe decide you don't like it as much as you thought you did. Mm-hmm. You're allowed. Like this is You're your permission slip today to try, you know, whatever is pulling you in to yeah. to give it a try. Yeah. Your identity fairy godmothers are saying you have <laughs> <Yeah>. permission. <laughs> and if anyone out there is create de- sorry is like questioning whether cr- they're creative or not, uh-huh. I promise you there is something creative in you. You just need to figure out what like what that looks like for you. One hundred percent. Right. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I don't draw. I don't really necessarily make things, but I am creative in other ways. And that's right. And that's a life giving, restorative. Yes piece of self-care is to figure out that piece out for you. So anyways, I feel like we could go on about these things all day, but we'll leave you guys with those, those little practical takeaways. And Chastity, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. Where can people find you online? What are you working on these days? Yeah. So on Instagram, you can um, follow me at momfully you. So momfully.you. I'm sharing lots of different things there, self-care, identity stuff, um, things about momming on your own terms. Really my passion. Would love to see you over there. Um, working on lots of fun stuff to um, to help kind of on this topic of identity. So more on that. Oh, exciting. And I'm going to put all of your links and information in the show notes and we'll include that there. And I encourage you to go and check out all her creative graphics that she makes that are lovely. And uh, yeah, and we'll make sure to connect with you and all of your information there. So again, thank you for coming and I've appreciated this time with you. Absolutely. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for the resources and things that were discussed in today's show, you can find them in the show notes, which is linked in the episode description. Or you can head directly to happyasamother.co slash podcast and find all of the show notes there. If you're looking for support and connection with other moms, you can head over to facebook.com slash groups slash happy as a mother and join our Facebook community. This community is filled with women just like you and I who want to support and uplift one another through our postpartum journey. And until next episode, mama, I want you to know, keep showing up. You're doing a great job.